This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 47 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Gold medalist, Lauren Barwick. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. Visit them at equestriancollections.com. And also, Easy Signs Online, the number one farm sign company in the United States. Order online at easysignsonline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenda Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well hello Helena Hello, how are you? Okay, we're on a new schedule now for when we're recording our shows, and I think it has us both a little bit uh, flummoxed. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we definitely are creatures of habit. Yes, we are, and uh, I had to get everything set up, and it was like, oh, geez, Helena's going to be on here in a minute, and you're usually the one that's late. I do, yeah, it must be have to do with the old recording day, and this recording day is a little bit better. I don't know. And we're a day ahead of where we were before. See, that's why I'm not ready. That's what it was. Because we're not doing things last minute? I, well, I know. See? <laughs> I can't live with I, I definitely have to say I, I'm one of those people who performs better under pressure. Well, I'll give you a chance to perform now because you can tell us what's coming up on today's show. All right. Here's a little pressure. Uh, today we have, uh, well, our, our primary guest is Lauren Barwick. She's the gold medalist for Canada from the 2008 Olympics in Hong Kong. Lauren won the Para Dressage Grade 2 freestyle event and has an amazing story. Also joining us today is Greg Paul. And Greg works, well, he's a Canadian also, and he works to help promote Canadian and Canadian eventing. So we're going to talk to Paul and find out uh, what's going on in the world of Canadian eventing. And we also have something, too, that's coming up. It's going to be a short, uh, we're going to do this first. Uh, Purina has a great new contest that sounds like a lot of fun. So we're going to speak to them about it. Just uh, talk to them for a couple minutes about their new contest. I just think it, it was a lot of fun, and I thought it was worth mentioning. And it's the kind of thing I think our listeners will get into to doing. So, Do I get to participate? You can I, participate I, in that one. It's not we restricted. Use, uh, we use Purina. Uh, my horse is on Equine Senior. Oh, well, then you're bound to win. <laughs> and we love your new formula, Purina. There you go. We we'll, tell him, tell him. we'll have to tell them that when we get them on. Okay. <laughs> hey, uh, I also wanted to mention, Helena, that we have uh, – I wasn't quite busy enough with the three, four shows we already do. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd add another show to the network. Mm-hmm. So we had another start a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. uh, much, much to the chagrin of my co-host, Helena, I think. Um, <laughs> we have another new show started a couple of days ago. It's called – and and I also thought weekly wasn't enough, so <laughs> uh-huh. so we we're doing one daily. Believe oh, it or not, somebody help me. 
We're doing a show called Horse Tip Daily. It's at horsetipdaily.com, and it's just what it says. We do a horse tip every day. And it's not me doing them, though. That's the kind of neat part because you know, everybody knows I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> it, we have a different expert with a different horse topic every day. How so, do you... How, do you, uh, bro- how are we broadcasting these tips every day? Well, they're going to be a number of ways, same as this show. You can go to horsetipdaily.com and take a listen. You sus- can subscribe through iTunes or Zoom. Um, you can do it any of those ways like the- this show, like the Stable Scoop show. So if people want to download it, they can do that or just subscribe to it uh, through iTunes or Zoom and get it automatically downloaded every day so they can listen to it on their way to the barn. And this is it- is it like a? Is it a little bit shorter segment than? Oh the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Show? It's not an hour like this show. It's five to ten minutes. Oh, good. So good. it's a so short, quick segment. and dirty. Yep, quick and dirty every day. But we have some really cool hosts coming, or guests, experts coming on. I have over two dozen experts that have agreed to come on in all facets of the horse world. We're going to have training tips, tips on dentistry. Our second tip that's now on online was about horse photography. Uh, Julie Goodnight did our first tip on training, and she's going to come back on a regular basis. So we have a number of guests that that are going to be with us that some you've heard of and some you haven't, but they're all experts in their field. So it's going to be a different new topic and a different, uh, you know, thing every day. So you never know what to expect. So, So are we going to archive the tips on the website? Yes, they're, they're, and actually what's kind of neat is you can search if you have a favorite expert. You can search by the expert and listen to all their tips if you want to, or you can search by topic. If, you, if you're wanting to listen to all the training tips, then you can just click on training there, and it'll bring up all the training tips, and you can just go through and listen to them in order. What's nice about these is they aren't dated like our show. Sometimes we're talking about topical issues. Well, these tips are good anytime, you know, so you can listen to them, you know, a year after they're posted, and they're going to be relevant. Right. And and the other nice thing about this is our shows, except for, for Stable Scoop here, we tend to be targeted towards certain groups like eventing or dressage or, you know, World Equestrian Games. This is meant for everybody, whether you're, you know, a backyard horse owner or a trail rider or a competitive person, these tips, you can benefit from these tips. Okay. So it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm already getting emails about it. It's only been up three days. There's like three days worth of tips there. Uh, So check it out. Uh, I encourage everybody to stop over to Horse Tip Daily. And the other thing I'm going to do, Helena, is at the end of this episode of Stable Scoop, I'm going to put an episode of Horse Tips. We're just going to tack it on to the end. So okay. you get like a preview. You can listen to it and see if you like what it what it's doing or not. We'll put Julie Goodnights at the end of this show. So hang around after we're all done, and you'll hear the first episode of Horse Tip Daily to see if if something you want to check out. Great. So there you go. That's, all right. That's something else just to keep me busy. <laughs> Your wife must be loving you. I know. Yeah, she is. <laughs> and uh, the cat and the dog. And... <laughs> Speaking of loving, we're going to get to Purina here. Let's take a short break, or let's just take a break and talk to the people at Purina about this new contest they have. It sounds like a lot of fun. So this is, we, uh, we spoke to them for about five minutes, and uh, just take a listen. I think it's going to be something you're going to want to enter. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the show. Hello. It's so Glad good to, to be here. So good to have you on the Stable Scoop show. And, you know, I think what you're doing here is a lot of fun. And I just thought it would be fun to have you on because I think our listeners are going to be interested in entering and, and uh, being part of it. So tell us what you have going on. Well, here at Perina Horse Feed, we are doing our annual equine senior horse tails contest and we do this about every other year um, and we do varieties we mix it up a little bit every other time and 
you know, last time we did just horse tales and we did essay contest and the time before that we looked for the oldest horse. This time we decided to combine a few things so that there was a lot of different ways to win. So you can write an essay, you can put your horse in the oldest horse contest or enter your oldest pony in the oldest pony contest or just if you have a great horse photo, you can upload that and, and enter that in the horse photo contest. So there's really four ways to win um, at the equinesenior.com website. So and is it, you say equines, is it only about uh, equine, or senior equines? or? It is. We've always focused um, our contest around the older horse. There's a lot of emotion tied to folks that own these older animals. They've a lot of times owned them all their lives. Even folks here at our office still have some of their original 4-H ponies um, because, you know, they're part of the family. They don't, they don't look at it as, oh, well, I'm just going to sell off this livestock. It, it's their buddy and will be with them forever. So there's always and countless stories uh, to tell with that horse. Oh, it's too bad because I'm just reading here. You have you have pony essay written in 300 words or less. You have the best senior horse or, or pony photo, the oldest horse in age and the oldest pony in age. Our pony that was 46 just died last year. Oh, no. <sighs> I could that have entered. Been, that clearly would have been a winner. <laughs> I know, but you know what? The prize, you have a fantastic prize. Tell everybody what the prizes are. The prizes are, well, we've got tons of feed to give away. And yeah, I mean, you, you win a ton of Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. My pony couldn't have eaten that in 30 years. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, one ton usually feeds a horse for an entire year. Yeah, so but this senior pony wasn't eating so good anymore. <laughs> oh, no. They do, they do every once in a while, you know, have issues with their teeth as they get older. And the equine senior feed, what's nice about that is we have this new easy soak pellet, which you can make into a mash for those ponies and those horses that don't have any teeth. So that does help them and, eat, uh, you know, eat we, feed we used, and eat more feed. We used to do that because when you get to 46, some of your teeth are gone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 46, and I think some of my teeth are gone. But uh, <laughs> I know mine are wearing off, so I'm grinding my teeth similar to horses. <laughs> yeah, we have a good uh, equine dentist we can send over if you need one. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> so the, the prize, in the, is that a one ton of Purina Senior Horse Feed for each category? That's right. Each category will win a ton of feed. And the nice thing about the essay contest also is the grand prize essay contest winner, because, I mean, somebody who's entering the essay contest is putting a little more work right, forward right, here. Right, right, right. So the grand prize essay contest winner will win one ton. But to make that category of the contest even more fun – each region across the country, and we have sales regions that we kind of broke up, um, each region, like the northeast region of the United States or the southeast region of the United States, will have a regional winner, and those folks will win a half a ton. So there's regional monies out there, too, uh, in wow. regards to half-ton um, feed. That's still a few bags of feed, people. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, that's great. I think this is a wonderful idea, and they can find it all at equinesenior.com, correct? That's correct. And they can enter any one of the various contests. And you guys are actually, and you know what? I'm an, old, I'm an oldster, so I was used to Purina when, when, before it had broken up and done all that stuff. So you're actually Land of Lakes Purina feed now, right? That's correct. The Land of Lakes company owns 
Purina feed. That's oh, gotcha. right. Okay, good. Well, we appreciate you being on, and good luck with the contest. Good luck. I, I, you know what? Our listeners need to enter here, and they need to mention that they heard about you on our show. Um, and we know that we have some talented writers because we've heard from them good and bad in emails. So we know that there's some talented writers out there, and we encourage everybody to enter if you have a senior horse or a senior pony. And that's over 15 years of old, right? That's correct. Okay, good. Well, thank you very much, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. Have fun with the contest. All right. Well, I'm excited about this contest. I know, knowing that I can participate. Um, Purina has been around for a long time doing good things for good pets and their people. So uh, that, that was pretty good. That was pretty exciting. Um, what we have coming up next is Greg Paul. Um, again, Greg is a Canadian who works to help promote Canadian eventing. Uh, and we're going to talk to him about what's going on in the world of eventing uh, with our neighbors to the north. So welcome, Greg, and thank you so much for joining us on Stable Scoop today. We love to hear about what's going on uh, with our neighbors to the north because, uh, you know, Canada totally rocks and Canadian eventing totally rocks. Um, I'm a big fan of Mike Winter in particular and Wayfarer eventing. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is within um, the horse world in Canada. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here and, and to speak with both of you. And I'm glad you think Canada rocks. I do, too. <laughs> well, you know, partly we say that because our second biggest listening base is Canada. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. And we get so many exciting, we get so many interesting, unique people and um, semi-celebrities from Canada. Horse right. celebrities. Right, yep. Well, and... and uh, you know, certainly it makes a lot of sense given our proximity, and so many of our riders concentrate most of their their time down in the in the United States. So it's wonderful that uh, we're a part of it all. You were asking me about my role. Uh, I am involved um, with Canadian eventing in two capacities. Uh, I sit on the high performance committee for Canadian eventing, which is the committee that, much like in in the U.S., um, drives the elite program of the sport. Um, uh, the programs in, involving our uh, coach slash international technical advisor, whom you may recall is, is an American, David O'Connor, certainly a familiar name down there. Yeah. And um, we're very happy to have him uh, with uh, in, in being involved in, in Canadian eventing, and, and he has really helped to move our program forward quite a lot in the last three or four years that he's been involved. So. Um, the high performance um, capacity is one of my roles. The other role is I've been um, asked to come on board as the marketing advisor for Canadian Eventing. And in that capacity, I'm really trying to focus on raising the awareness of the sport, competing for space um, with all of those wonderful horse sports that exist in uh, both of our countries. And also, you know, try to find ways to partner and up and market our sport with uh, different types of corporate sponsors that help fund all those wonderful programs we have. Great. How, how big is, is eventing in Canada? Is it, uh, is it a growing sport? Is it, is it, you know, compared to dressage and j jumping and things? It is a growing sport. Um, where it's growing, you know, much like a lot of sports, I suppose, are, are at the lower levels. Um, we're really focusing around trying to adopt or bring people in from, you know, right from the Pony Club level into eventing in Canada, 
Um, that's really where the grassroots and, and the future stars of our sport are going to come from. And so we've got quite a campaign on trying to make sure that uh, there is um, people moving from the, the Pony Club rallies into the, the lower level events. And we actually focus a number of safety clinics uh, around those types of competitors moving into the sport, educating them on um, what are the safe aspects of eventing versus just going out hell bent for leather? You know, and remember, Helena, we actually had the uh, Canadian Pony Club. Uh, I forget who who the person we had on, but she was the head of the Canadian Pony Club. Yep. And we we talked about that last year, and and I think Canadian Pony Club's pretty big now, and and they're doing a great job up there. Well, that, you know, I one of the things that I kind of noticed, and I I'm going to ask you this, Greg, um, when you go to CanadianEventing.com. Um, the website is broken up by uh, territories: British Columbia, Alberta, Manitoba, etc. Um, and I notice that each one of those, when you click on each one of those territories, a slightly different series of web pages comes up. How does um, how does your role or Canadian inventing in general bring together, or are you working to create a standard or some consistency between the regionalized um, eventing groups? That's a fantastic question and, and a real hot button. Um, yes, I'm, Canadian eventing is made up of representatives from, from all across the country, and, and each, each province has its own provincial association that essentially runs the sport uh, in that province. But it's all done under the, um, the guise and, and the rules and regulations of Equine Canada, which uh, Eventing Canada is the national body representing our sport under Equine Canada's umbrella. It's such a vast country, much like your own, and there are so many different uh, provinces. And, and geographically, because it's so different and the climate is so different in different parts of the country, the schedules are, are quite a bit different. Uh, the, the numbers of people that are competing in different um, areas of the country are very different. So it takes a lot of work to try to bring all of those those different interests together and we've created in the last few years what we call the eventing congress and so um, while eventing canada is the body that runs the sport we essentially uh, um, do it with the endorsement of all of the members of the eventing congress which represent the provinces across the country so well it, it's it's uh, we're trying to keep it simple but at the same time keep enough representation that nobody's interests are being missed. Right. That, that brings up another question because you said, you know, the vast differences in the different provinces. And I, for all those listeners that are from around the world, basically your provinces are sort of like our states? Absolutely. Okay. Then, <laughs> you, can, you can tell my provincial thinking. I call them territories. Yes. <laughs> well, we have two provinces or two territories and ten provinces in Canada. All right. So. I wasn't that far off. All right, well, we're, we're just trying to grasp this. This is a learning this. show. <laughs> this is a schooling show. <laughs> hey, so I was wondering, it doesn't affect you, and I wanted to thank you, by the way. Greg was also the one that helped us set up uh, Jessica Phoenix, is our spotlight uh, eventer on the 2010 radio show. We're choosing one athlete for each discipline to follow from now through the World Equestrian Games in, in 2010 here in Lexington, and you helped us find Jessica Phoenix, and I have to say, she is absolutely marvelous. She is, and uh, you know, she, she's such a bright uh, spark in in terms of 
her personality, but also in her um, her her talent and the abilities with the horses that she has. She's got three coming on at the at the you know advanced level of the sport, which is pretty incredible for any um, person competing at that level as a, as a full time professional rider. And we're just delighted that uh, you know she's part of our national program and that she's being featured as as part of your spotlight. Well, and I, I had her on yesterday. I didn't get a chance to tell Helena this. I had her on yesterday. We recorded some tips for our new show for Horse Tip Daily, and she's actually come on and, and doing some training tips for for us, and they were fantastic. I I just every time I talk to her, I'm just so impressed. <laughs> Yeah, she's. I, I've known Jessica for a long time, right from early on in her eventing days, where we actually used to compete together. And her, she used to go out there on her little pony as she crossed over from the Western world and beat the pants off of most of us out there. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> and this was at the age of fourteen. So there you go. <laughs> and her husband, she has a fascinating story too, because her husband's like a dairy farmer. Um, so they have the cows at the farm and the horses. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday, too. But uh, I wanted to thank you for that. You were the one that turned us on to her, and I think it's just going to be a joy following her progress through the World Equestrian Games next year. And she's an eventer. So there you go. And actually, um, what I wanted to ask was, and I talked to her a little bit about this, too. Most of your upper-level upper eventers uh, will, and show jumpers and dressage will come down to the United States in the winters because you do have – a little bit of snow and bad weather up there in the winter. What it, do you find that's a hindrance to the lower level of enters? Do they have a much shorter season? You, you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I certainly do. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, we're we're bound by our geography, so you know, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, the the season in in most of the provinces across Canada essentially runs from from Aprilish May through to September, October. Um, and, you know, it, it, it can be a good long season and you can, in, in the larger provinces where there's lots of events going on, you can get in a lot of competitions throughout the year. Uh, in the provinces that don't have as much uh, as a foundation in the sport, it, you know, it is harder and there's a lot of travel involved if you want to get in a bunch of different events in that season, so that can get expensive. The thing that you know, I guess is, is a bit of a, a help as opposed to a hindrance for the, for the lower level riders is, is a help for the upper level riders. I mean, is they essentially get in almost another season by going south and being able to, you know, take their young horses and their older horses down. And, you know, they're, they've got another season that happens uh, January through, through March or April down in the U S which I guess speeds up their progress. Right, right. And, yeah, obviously not everybody can afford to do that, but the ones that uh, can, I know Cal is a big spot in uh, Florida for them. Um, yep. Matter of fact, Cal is a big spot. We used, to, <laughs> we used to go to Florida every year, and we'd go to Disney and do the thing every year, and on our way down, we'd drive down 95, and you'd all see the Canadian license plates heading to Florida. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you're right about Ocala. In fact, I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I, I have a horse that I just sent to a rider, uh, one of our Canadian riders who lives in Ocala full-time to train and, and, and uh, compete. And, well, it couldn't be much further away from home. <laughs> it's about oh, as far yeah. as you can get on the opposite end of the continent. Well, how do you guys, uh, how are you looking for the World Equestrian Games for your team? What, what, what stage are you in, and, and you know, how's, the, how's it looking? 
we have, um, well, probably the greatest depth that we've had at the moment of, of both horses and riders um, who are either shortlisted or longlisted at this point and would be the ones that we would most likely choose our World Equestrian Games team from next year. Um, off the top of my head, I think there's about 25 or 30 that are that are sort of the, the key ones there, um, which, again, is great depth. And a lot of that depth has... Um, has to be attributed to David O'Connor's role in developing what we'll call sort of the next level of riders and making sure that people have really progressed beyond the one and two star level and have made that leap to the three and four star level and have done it with the right skill set and the right ability to compete and the maintenance program that's necessary to keep the horses going. Um, we're thrilled about that. We're look, we're so excited that, um, a, that they're so close to home, meaning <laughs> for both your team and our team, we no longer have to do a big overseas travel. Everybody else is coming here for once, which is great. Right. <laughs> Much cheaper, happened. too. <laughs> Much cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> so, and because we don't have to do that big overseas travel, we can target more of our um, funds towards training and development and coaching and, and that type of thing as opposed to just putting it towards travel expenses. Well, you're lucky to have David. I'll, I'll tell you that. You are lucky to have him. We absolutely agree. How did you, um, in addition to um, creating some consistency and bringing um, the sport of eventing together through the, you know, the different provinces, um, what is the other mission? What's your your personal mission as in your role as, um, is it marketing director or? Marketing advisor, yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you hope to? What what word do you hope to get out to the world about eventing in Canada? What's your mission there? It's twofold. One, I think there's the message at home, um, and you know that can cross over to anywhere. But then there's the message to, I guess we'll call the rest of the world too. The message at home is a bit more of a personal one for me. Um, it involves really trying to change what the perception is a little bit about eventing in in uh, in our country what is it now about more pardon me what's that what is the perception now well i think there's a there's a perception out there that you know it sort of exists probably in a, in a lot of places but certainly i experienced it most in canada where i am that it is you know a bunch of people who are are a bit crazy and you know they run around and and um do some dressage and then they go, you know, uh, screaming cross country with like no brakes, screaming across country like hooligans. And then they do some show jumping that isn't always necessarily the most orthodox uh, style <laughs> of show jumping. And that's a perception that, you know, is probably based in a lot of history from years and years ago, but yep. the sport has changed in just huge amounts over the last 10 or 15 years and the skill sets and the talents and the dedication and the maintenance and the care that's involved in bringing horses along in our sport now and keeping them um, competing happily and healthily. I mean, it is just so different from where, you know, or from what that perception is. So I'm really trying to move that along and, and um, you know, we, have, it's one of the Olympic discipline sports, and so, you know, carving out some more space amongst the show jumpers and amongst the dressage um, riders at the lower levels, and and maybe having some of those people become involved in eventing is my mandate at home. Um, on the international stage, it's um, 
really trying to take what program we've got being developed through um, the great team that we've got working on our high-performance program. You know, David is the coach, but we've got um, Dr. Christiana Ober, who is also based uh, in the U.S., helping us with all of our horses on, on the, the maintenance side of things and the treatment side of things. And as, as our treating veterinarian for all of our um, short and long-listed horses, she's fantastic about helping people or educating people about all of the different opportunities and, and things that they have available to them now through veterinary science to keep horses um, healthy and, and competing um, longer. Uh, so I want to be able to take, you know, all of those great things that we've packaged together in the last five or ten years and create more of a... Of a personality and a successful personality on the international stage. One of our first steps to doing that is we're sending a team of riders over to the UK uh, this fall to compete at both either Burley or Blenheim, depending on the level their horses are going. And that's the first time that we've done that with Canadian horses and riders in a number of years. So we're excited about that too. Well, great. Great. Well, Greg, uh, we're playing running out of time, and we, we, we need to get to Lauren here uh, very shortly, uh, one of your gold medalists out of Canada we're going to have on the show next. So Great. we appreciate you being on, and we appreciate all the help you've given us to set up, uh, to set up the riders and the different interviews that we've been doing in all the shows, and, and I hope that uh, we can continue working together on that kind of thing. I hope so, too, and you're very welcome. I'm a pleasure to be a part, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Okay, great. We're, we're going to check in with you, too, and uh, look at the new face of eventing in Canada in a couple months and see uh, see how well you've done at your job. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Are and we going to grade him, too? Or is it, but uh, no, we're uh, going to be supporting him every step of the okay, way. Okay, all right, good. Uh, so it, there'll be no Fs for you, Greg. No, no, just A's for effort. <laughs> all right, thanks, Greg. <laughs> thanks again, Greg. You're welcome. Thank you. Another wonderful Canadian. I'm really starting to to think I need to move to Canada. Well, you're or, almost or there. You live in Boston, for God's sake. I know. No, I know. I know. You're looking know. at a new house. You're just looking in the wrong direction. I know. I can't go north. I, I mean, you know what's funny is my husband wants to move to Nova Scotia. It's it's all he wants to do, or Prince Edward Island. He wants to live up there, and I'm like, please, no. Oh, it's beautiful, but you wouldn't have yeah, much to do. Exactly. It's like I, I can only ride for a week out of the whole year exactly. now. <laughs> you're cutting me down to two days. Yeah, and you like the ocean and the beach. I think you have one day in August where you can yeah. actually go to the beach but uh you know he's got a pretty challenging job i think that's i think it's fascinating what um what he's trying to do and wonderful because you've got this sport that is really starting to come into its own and um rise to a new level of professionalism and he's right there helping to drive that whole effort i mean canadian eventing is going to be something really special i you know, if you know a lot of the athletes and you know their backstories, I think he's got some great raw material to work with. Um, well, if Jessica so, Phoenix is any indication, I'm very impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know you know Mike Winter very well, and you know they they. I'm just they they're they're coming into their own. That's for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. All right. Speaking about a company coming into its own, Equestrian Collections brings the whole universe of equestrian shopping to your fingertips. On any given day, they have over $100 million of products for you to choose from. I'm going to go off the script here a little bit, Helena. You know, when we shop, and I don't know if you're this way, but I tend to be this way, we're creatures of habit. 
we tend to go back to the stores that we're used to shopping at. So if you know if you're buying, if I'm buying electronics, I tend to go to Tiger Direct or Amazon, and those are the two stores, and I don't look outside of that. Well, I think that would you agree that people do that with tack too? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Tend, we tend to be that way. Even though we might look around, we tend to be that way. Well, wh- what I'm saying is. You need to step out of the box a little bit. If you've never tried equestrian collections, they are worth stepping outside the box to check them out. Because what I think is going to happen is you're going to find a new place to become a habit. And that's equestrian collections. They're all the time having great sales and specials. There is nobody more active at constantly offering specials and and things out to you than, than equestrian collections. I just encourage you to stop by. Visit equestrian collections at equestriancollections.com. They have a fantastic website. You know, they have tons of products. No matter what kind of riding you do, whether it's eventing or trail riding or you have a backyard horse, they have the products for you. So, they, you know, they truly do put the whole world of equestrian shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. You've heard us talk about them before. Now it's time to actually stop over and check them out. Next time you're buying something, instead of going, oh, I'm going to go to that place I always go to, <laughs> at least give Equestrian Collections a shot at equestriancollections.com. I'll give him a shot. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) We know you shop. (laughs) All right. Well, our next guest is another exciting person to talk to. Um, We're thrilled to have with us Lorraine Barwick. Uh, Lorraine started riding at a young age and grew up attending Pony Club. She uh, three-day evented, fox hunted, and enjoyed starting and learning how to work with young horses on a breeding farm. As she got older, she rode competitively in jumpers and loved it. Uh, She has a keen interest in, or she had, um, a keen interest in the culinary and dramatic arts as well. Uh, She finished high school uh, with her level one chef's apprentice and continued riding. Uh, In June of the year 2000, the goals that Lauren had set out for herself changed in an instant. While feeding the horses at her ranch, a 100-pound bale of hay fell 10 feet landing on her back. She had broken two vertebrae and, and had a severed, suffered a several, severed spinal cord. There's no easy way to say that. Um, it took two screws, a bar, wire mesh, and bone from her hip to reassemble her back. She was left paralyzed from the belly button down with no feeling or movement. So you can imagine that she was absolutely distraught. And it wasn't much easier for her family to deal with as she had always been classified as the semi-normal child. You see, Lauren's brother, Cameron, was born with a severe brain injury, and her sister, Rosemary, has Down syndrome. Now, Lauren gave up riding for a few years and returned to it. Um, After returning to it, she became an inspiration to horse people worldwide when she won the gold medal at the Hong Kong Olympics. Um, So that sounds like a lot, but I think that's just the very beginning of Lauren's story. Well, hi, Lauren, and welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. It is such a privilege to have you on with us today. Thank you. I'm um, privileged to be on today. Now, we should say this is a show about uh, Canadians, but you're actually not in Canada right now, are you? Nope. I'm in uh, the UK, England right now. And you must be staying at a very nice hotel because the gentleman that answered sounded very professional and very cordial. Uh, yes, they're they're taking really good care of us right now. <laughs> it sounds that way. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe he'll come here and answer my phone that way. <laughs> yeah, no, he just they, put me in a good frame of mind for the whole day. 
they've been great. Well, let's talk a little bit about what fun it must have been for you. And I saw the pictures of you receiving your gold medal in Hong Kong last year. What a thrill that must have been. Um, It it was. It was an unexpected thrill with everything that had gone on um, pre-game. So uh, for me to have an ending like that was unexpected and absolutely fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit. There was a a pre-story to your competition. Um, Tell us a little bit about what happened right right before your competition. You, you, You went to Hong Kong. Everything was fine when you left for Hong Kong, right? Yeah, everything was good. Uh, we had team tr- team training camp, and um, everything was coming together. The team uh, worked well together. We uh, worked with um, assistant coaches and, and national coaches and chef de keeps and grooms, and everybody came together well, and we headed off to Hong Kong with high expectations. Um, our horses flew for, I believe it was, between 24 and 26 hours, uh, one of the longest trips for any of the horses from the world around the world. And uh, when uh, our horses arrived, two of them had what was called shipping fever. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the horses being mine, and it she had a fever of 103.9, oh. and her lungs had fluid in them. You know, beginning beginning stages of pneumonia, and was quite quite sick. Wow! And it, so, what happened then? Uh, she was being given uh, medications and steroids and hooked up to IVs. And I was, you know, pretty much told that um, I'd be lucky for her to, you know, she needed to get better, and I honestly did not think I'd be competing. How, how freaked out you must have been at that point, huh? Yeah. Yeah, um, very. <laughs> um, you sort of, your frame of mind changes because, you, you know, you just really want your partner to come home. Um, with you, and um, it's a bit difficult because you can't really explain to them your horse, you know, you know why they're here and um, the situation that they've been put in, you know, and um, everybody else is training still for the competition, and my horse is being walked, and uh, my groom is, you know, constantly with the vet, and the vets are sticking needles in them, and, you know, there's nightly checks every hour, and mm-hmm. so... You know, eight eight days goes by, and everybody else has been training on their horses, and I've just sort of watched my horse hopefully get better. And then, so what did happen then? And tell us a little bit about your horse, too. Uh, well, Meili, I found uh, Meili through the help of my sponsors, Pirelli, in uh, January of 2008. Um, the horse that I had qualified and hoped to go to China on um, came up with an unsoundness, and so six months before having to leave, I was horseless. So um, with the help of Pirelli, I found this horse, and um, we started putting um, a solid foundation on it and uh, competing on it, and um, she's just a real wonderful horse. She's got a lot of courage and a lot of heart and <laughs> very willing, and um, I knew the first time I rode her that that with um, the pro- with then with using the next six months to help develop her towards my disability that I could win a medal on her. And um, so when she arrived sick, you know, it was it turned into just getting her better. And then um, the vet said it was, it was three or four days before the competition that I could, you know, sit on her and help the fluids in her lungs move around. And so I walked her and did a little bit of trot. And then uh, the next day I got to ride her a little bit more, and then they approved me to do the, the trot-up exam, 
and she passed that, and so they said I could compete on her. Now, um, all the other competitors had gotten to train in the the competition arena for an hour, and I hadn't, and so they gave me five minutes. (laughs) Wow. And so, you know, competition day, there I was. Did it now take us back a little bit to um, how she, when when you got the horse, she wasn't used to working with uh, a disabled rider, and you had oh. to work with her to te- to train her how to to adjust with your particular needs. Yeah, she um, had been ridden by an able-bodied rider her whole life. She's fourteen, so she was used to you know legs and and just normal traditional dressage riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well, she had one reason why she was for sale. She was having a, a confidence issue. And um, so when I got her, she was afraid of, of green balls. She was afraid of balls, cows, miniature horses, flags. <laughs> um, she snorted at everything. And um, That's never good couldn't... when you're in the dressage ring. No, yeah. it's no. not. <laughs> um, and she, you know, she, in, and I competed at nine um, shows with her. Um, just to get used to going to shows with her and knowing what she was like at shows, and I discovered that she couldn't go in the warm-up arena with more than two horses. Anytime a horse passed her, she got really scared and flipped out and would, you know, get very tense. And, and so that was another issue that, you know, you don't realize when you try a horse out at somebody's house. Uh, so we spent the next six months just desensitizing her to all that stuff. Uh, Pat would ride her with the cows in a western saddle and I'd look out and there she would be galloping across the field with this horrified look on her face you know like <laughs> I am a dressage horse I do not chase cows <laughs> she was just absolutely disturbed and disgusted with what she had to do but um, I tell you the competition arena had um, life-size black and white panda bears hiding in bamboo I oh, heard God. about that actually yeah I saw that on some video yeah. clips Yep, and, and you know... Uh, she just thought and, they were cows, huh? Oh, well, it would have been bad if she didn't <laughs> learn to like cows. You know, life... And they had, you know, trees in the shape of dragons. Well, who puts that in a dressage arena? <laughs> That's true. That's right. You know, and the, the big scoreboard. I mean, there was nothing um, friendly <laughs> about that arena. Um, and for anybody that knows anything about Pirelli, it would have been um, a Pirelli person's play day delight. Yeah. Um, everybody else's absolute nightmare. So, um, so how did you then, if, if this is a mare who needs confidence, where do you find the confidence to share with her? Because I have the use of my legs and I would be, um, I would have a meltdown. Where do you find that confidence from? Um, well, it's something that I really, I was lacking um, before I came to Pirelli because I physically was a strong rider, but emotionally and mentally, I was really lacking confidence. Um, and that was one thing I really um, got to develop in the last two years is, is having confidence in myself and knowing what to do and um, going out and riding lots of different horses all day long and and discover, making a mistake and discovering how to fix it myself. You know, it's, it's really good to have an instructor's eye uh, to watch you, but it's another thing to be able to go out and know that you have the ability in yourself to feel something and then mm. fix it. And so I went out and did that and, and also with um, the way the Pirelli system works is, is there's four savvies, which is online, liberty, um, freestyle riding, which isn't collected, and then the finesse riding. And so I really developed myself and Maylee in all four of those stages. Mm-hmm. And you can really 
develop their confidence on the ground online and at Liberty and develop a partnership. And so she really started to trust me and my choices and decisions. And if I ever felt unconfident on her back, I just would get off and do what I needed to do on the ground. Right, right. So you started with it so that your building blocks, your foundation was on the ground. Yeah. So by the time you got into the saddle, you, you were well on your way to both of you feeling that confidence, yeah? Exactly, yeah. Cool. Because, you know, it sounds like when I hear you talk and when I, people describe you as a disabled rider, I think, well, you know what? We all have some kind of disability, and I'm not minimizing your particular challenges, but um, I think we have, even able-bodied riders have a lot to learn from you and disabled riders because, um you know, I'm disabled in my confidence or in my mental riding or my emotional mm-hmm. riding. Somebody yeah. might be um, less abled in, you know, their hands or their upper body. It's like we all have a deficiency somewhere in our riding. Yeah. Um, but you said, you know, knowing what exercises and what things you need to do with your horse to get the confidence in those weak spots. Yeah. How do, what do you suggest for, for the rest of us out there? How do you find those weak spots and how do you – know that you can fix them. I think there are seven keys to success. Um, and, and I think if you go through them, you'll, you'll help find your weak spot. Um, firstly, I believe most it's attitude. Um, some people don't have the right attitude and, and often it's the horse's fault or it's the trainer's fault or, you know, it's, it's finding the right attitude to go forward. Um, and then I believe you need to have the right tools. And that's often a problem. People don't have the right tools. Or, you know, the saddles don't fit right. They don't have the right bridles. They don't have the right bits. You, you need to have the right tools to be successful. And then um, the other, next two things are knowledge and technique. And those are two very different areas. Is is knowledge is, is understanding what you need to do, books, educational things, um, techniques. So are also from top instructors and surrounding yourself with people that have the information that you need to know and developing mm. the proper techniques. Um, and then having an imagination. And for me, having an imagination is the biggest thing because, you know, it's not even thinking outside of the box. It's thinking that there is no box <laughs> and, and in learning, you know, how to do it differently. And, you know, people say, well, it must be difficult to ride without your legs. And I say, no, yes, it's difficult, but imagine if you just learned how to ride originally without legs, it would be normal to you. Um, right. It's like driving with my hands. People say, you know, it must be difficult to drive without your hands. Well, if you never used your legs to drive, it would just be normal. Right. Um, it's, it's not difficult. You just need to think outside the box. Um, and then support, finding the right support and surrounding yourself by people that um, support you and understand what your goals are and... Um, really are there for you and I found that when I wasn't succeeding I was lacking in one of those areas Hmm. and then I found the right people to help me fill those blocks in see riding is a team sport it it, well it and that's it exactly is is equestrianism is about two especially you know a lot of people just it's about them but it's really about you and your horse and so, for me, it's also about really building a partnership with that animal. And they'll, you know, they'll go the they'll go the extra distance for you um, when you have a real partnership. Well, and obviously, mm-hmm. May Lee showed that at the Olympics. I mean, coming off of of that sickness and illness, no practice, no rehearsal, and and you went out there and did it. Now, you actually won it. Uh, if I have this correct, you 
you won for the grade two freestyle, right? Um, I got a silver medal in um, the technical test and then a, a gold medal in my freestyle. And is the freestyle done to music? Yes, it is. What was your oh, music? That's fun. <laughs> my music was oriental. Oh. Was <laughs> wow, no wonder you won. <laughs> you, you stacked the deck. Oh, well, I had a wonderful <laughs> choreographer, uh, uh, um, oh, a dressage, um, Karen Robinson in Vancouver, and she came, and um, I like real powerful music, like electric violin and, you know, you know, mm-hmm. with really strong beat, and she saw May Lee and said, no way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she said, you can't ride to that. It just, it, it's not for her. May Lee's kind of a, not the uh, big, powerful, horse-looking well, type. <laughs> she, she is. She's a beautiful big, horse, but... Yeah, she is, I think, big bone. She's not really fragile and petite, but just the way she moves... It just, you know, it, it didn't work for her. So she brought me two pieces of music, um, a, a Hawaiian piece, and because Mei Lee is Hawaiian for flower. Oh, there you go. And, and then this Oriental piece, and I kind of cringed at the Oriental stuff because it was really wishy-washy, and, and everybody said, that's it, that's the music. Everybody but the, you, that is. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, the entrance music was to this really popular rock band, and so... Um, you know, it it just everything everything was in place, but um, you know, it to get her into that ring, it was a real team effort. You know, uh, people staying up late, uh, veterinarians, amazing veterinarians that were dedicated to getting her back on her feet. Um, my groom Alice was there nonstop, um, and the interesting thing is, is when she finally went off the medications, um, which caused her to stop eating. She didn't want to eat. She lost 19 kilos in four days. Oh. Um, her legs then started to swell up, huge, huge logs. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, here we go. So, Well, I'll tell you what, the, the, the irony with the two of you is incredible. I mean, you overcome huge obstacles to get to where you were, and your horse had to do the same thing. Yeah. It just the irony of there is incredible, and you, you both obviously deserved it, and con- congratulations for that. Where, what's what's Maylee up to now? Maylee is in Colorado. Um, she, um, I, I did some shows on her this, this winter and got you know some qualifying scores. And um, I did, I ride able-bodied as well and did uh, first and second level and wow. usually win our class. She doesn't have her flying lead changes, so we're, we can't really progress past second level yet. Um, but she's in the mountains of Colorado, and that horrified her for the first uh, couple of days. <laughs> I'm really starting to like this mare. (laughs) She she got out of the trailer and thought, holy, where am I? I can't breathe. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Looked looked quite horrified. And and it's true, because we do a lot of um, trail rides, and you can just hear her huffing and puffing, climbing up the mountains. And um, I think I'm killing her, but... um, She's she's Walter Zettel comes and teaches us at the the um, Pat and Linda Prelly have Walter Zettel come uh, six times a year for one week and so I take lessons with him and I've also we've got not some, too shabby no well and he he really helped me as well for training for Athens as well because I worked with him four times before or four week long times before China well now sorry I said Athens are you shooting for the WAG this year next year I am yeah. <laughs> um, Bailey, I, I don't. She'll keep. She'll be in training for it, but um, she's got a little bit of arthritis, and um, you know, as long as she's happy going to that arena, I'll 
continue taking her, but she owes me and she owes no, no, nothing right. to mm. anybody. And if she spends the rest of her life in the field having babies or, you know, being brought in and being loved, then that's what she'll do. Um, <laughs> so do you have another horse in the works for, uh, for, well, for I, I, Lexington? I do. I do. Um, it's a, his name is West Point. He's a German Hanoverian from the stud farm over in Germany. And um, he's um, coming along. <laughs> he's really <laughs> fancy. And um, he's, he had um, a few challenges in his past that we're trying to work through. And Pat is now riding him around the mountains following cows. So, so he's going through the four-step Pirelli program at this very moment. <laughs> yes, he is. He's, he's come a long way, but he's 17 two hands high and has got enormous exuberant movement. And you see Pat riding him across the hayfields, giggling away. <laughs> and, um, and you're not so sure. <laughs> I go, oh dear, yes. But um, I, I the, the big thing for me right now is is I'm aiming for 2012. But um, I'm really focused on putting um, the horses first and my partnership first. And that was one challenge I really had over the past four years is that, um, you know, it would be a national show and I had to go in that ring because I had to get those scores to qualify. And I had to get in that ring whether I thought the horse, it was in the horse's best interest or not. Yeah. And, and I, I don't like that. It makes me feel quite ill inside. And yeah. so my plan for the next years is that if my horse is ready and um, I'll compete and I'll go and I'll represent Canada. You'll um, do what your horse tells you to do. Yeah. Yep. And I'll, I'll do my best over the next few years to help those horses be ready. But well, um, I, th- no I think you're a great representative of Canada. We should say you're mentioning Pirelli a lot that you are his assistant, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, that, and that, what a great job. You know, all the time we get emails. Helena, we always are getting emails and questions from, from young teenagers who are saying, I want to work in the horse world. Well, you have one of the best jobs in the horse world. Yeah, I really do. And um, sometimes Pirelli gets a bad rep. But in my mind, he's, what he's trying to do is help people put a really good foundation on their horse yeah. so that when they pick a discipline – you know, like eventing or uh, dressage or even cow work, you know, finesse uh, sports, that it's the icing on the cake. Put the cake first and then put the icing on it. Well, and you won a gold medal using the Pirelli method. That's not too bad. I don't know what else you do beyond that, you know? Well, it so. wasn't just the Pirelli method. I mean, I had wonderful coaches. Um, I had a, a personal coach that assisted me and then the national coach you but, know, really... what i meant was the foundation was yes. there and that's what pirelli's all about is the foundation Absolutely. and then he you know he encourages people take that foundation and then do what you will with it yeah. um whether that's trail riding or you know competing at the olympics you know it, i think that's that's you're not yeah. going to hear us arguing about that awesome. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. well this has been great we wish we could spend like another hour i know helena probably has 50 more questions she always does um <laughs> but we plain run out of time and it's just been a pleasure having you on will you come back again sometime with us 
absolutely. Maybe uh, before WEG. Uh, that'll be great. And we also do the World of Question Game show, so if you qualify for the team, we're probably going to have you on anyway. So. Ah, well, that would be exciting. All right, great. And we'd love a picture of uh, your little flower. <laughs> I'll drop you a picture. I will email you a couple pictures. Okay, we'll do that because we'll need one for the show notes, so it'd be great to have one. I mean, you, this is, you just accomplished character development right here in yeah, this one segment. I want to meet this mayor and, you know. I hope there's a book in your future because you are a great storyteller. Uh, thank you. Well, there is. I do have somebody working on that. Oh, and, really? Um, I, I just know. said that. I, I set you up pretty well. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> I do have somebody working on it. It's um, We were thinking about calling it That Bump in the Road is My Friend. Well, there you go. <laughs> and that applies to you and uh, your horse. Exactly. Well, Lorraine, it's been great. Thank you very much, and, and I hope that we get a t- to talk again soon. We Super. wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Well, she was fantastic. You know, it, it's, it's always so much fun. I, I don't know about you, but I just have fun talking to horse people. Yeah, I mean, there's so many interesting stories out there. It's like these people live in their little microcosms, and and they're wonderful stories within those microcosms, and we get to pop in there as a little guest and learn about them. And I don't know. It's That's a great just, way to describe it, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sort of like they're in this little bubble, and then we come along and pop the bubble, and and little flowers and hearts and moons <laughs> fly out. I don't <laughs> I'm feeling a little romantic. Yeah, I see. You're still... <laughs> well, she was just... It was really great to hear... You're still stuck on Dr. Jen from a couple of weeks ago there. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Such a ham. But she... It just... When she started talking about her horse and, um, you know, her, her challenges and the training and... And then her horse being sick, it's like her horse went through the same thing she did. But you know what? We all do that. We we get sucked into. Uh, you feel everything. We're we're come on. I mean, horses are emotional outlets for a lot of us. You know, um, for whatever reason, we we're, we're into horses. We're into horses. And then when you hear someone's story, um, of challenge and then overcoming that challenge, you can't help but empathize. Right. Your story might be a little bit different, but the feeling is the same. Well, we've plain run out of time, Helena. And no, yeah, I'm just yeah. getting started. I know you're just starting. We have to hold some for next week, all right? I know. No, well, I know. We have a lot of other shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them all at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, we don't have time to go through them and what's on this week. The list is getting too long anyway. Just stop over to horseradionetwork.com. They're all there. Be sure to keep listening after this show because we're going to have tacked on to the end of this one uh, the first episode of Horse Tip Daily. So if you want to hear what that's like just keep listening after helene and i are done blabbing and you can find all of our show notes at stablescoop.com and you can leave us feedback there just follow our contact link and we'd like to thank our sponsor equestrian collections for being part of the show and for easy signs online also well helena we have a couple of great shows planned for the next couple of weeks what's so fun about this show is we get to do something completely different every week Mm-hmm. Which, which with our ADD between the two of us, we could take a pound of Ritalin a day, and, <laughs> and that wouldn't be enough. And so. that is not an exaggeration, <laughs> not between Glenn and I. So, so it's great that we do this show because we don't have we have the attention span of a gnat. Um, <laughs> so we'll see you again next week, Alina. We got to get out of here. Yeah, we'll be back with the scoop though. This is the Horse Radio Network. 
This is episode one of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you, one day at a time. I am Glenn the Geek from Lexington, Kentucky, and welcome to the first episode of Horse Tip Daily. This is a short daily show hosted by myself and a panel of experts in all facets of the equine world. I've had the opportunity in the almost one year since I began the Horse Radio Network to interview hundreds of the leaders of the horse world. Unfortunately, we only have 20 to 30 minutes to spend with them in the other shows that I do, and many times it's just not long enough to really pick their brains and to learn from all the knowledge that they have accumulated through the years. And that is why that we have developed this show, is to be able to bring some of that knowledge to you one day at a time. Each day, I will have one of our panel of experts with me to give us a helpful horse tip. These tips can and will be anything that you can think of. There are a multitude of experts in the industry that will be joining us to help us learn one tip one day at a time. The tips will be on dozens of topics, including training, riding, driving, showing, uh, horse photography, groom's tips, nutrition, hoof care, tack and clothing, mouth care, mental preparation, fitness, and on and on and on. Plus, there will be some fun, silly stuff thrown in there, too. After all, this is me doing this show. I'm hoping to keep the shows to 10 minutes at the longest, and probably if it is goes a little over that, it'll be my fault, because I do talk too much. I want to be able. I want you to be able to listen to the whole show while making your coffee in the morning or doing your morning feeding. Don't miss a day. Stop over to the website at horsetipdaily.com and subscribe through iTunes or Zoom so that you don't miss one day, or you can just listen right there on the website. Also on the website at horsetipdaily.com, we have built a bio page on each expert that is involved in the show, and we have categorized the tips in such a way that you can search by site or by topic or by expert and listen to a bunch of your favorites right in a row. We'll also talk more about how to use the site as the days go by. Well, let's get started with the first tip. We are thrilled to have with us, I'm just so excited that she agreed to do this on our first show. She's an internationally respected trainer and clinician with experience in many types of training. Julie Goodnight grew up riding ponies and horses on an Orlando farm and competed in hunter-jumpers throughout her youth. She counts horses among her earliest friends. She spent many summer days hanging out in the horse pasture and studying how the horses moved and interacted. During her college days in New Mexico, Julie earned extra money by warming up thoroughbreds at the racetrack. Uh, The cowgirl felt at home in the West and soon hit the trails and uh, and began studying Western disciplines. Julie is now best known for her award-winning television show airing weekly on RFD-TV, Horse Master with Julie Goodnight. Through the show, Julie hopes to help all riders master their equestrian dreams and skills. And you know, she she spends a lot of time talking about natural horsemanship, and natural horsemanship is founded on the understanding horse behavior and the idea that horses look for leadership, direction, and assurance that they're safe and acting appropriately. Julie strives to teach you how to master the ideal and emphasizes the importance of lifelong learning. Well, let's say hi to Julie. Well, hi, Julie, and welcome to the first episode ever of Horse Tip Daily. We so appreciate the, that you're going to be our first expert today. I, I can't think of anybody more fitting to do that. 
Well, thanks, Glenn. I'm glad to be here. Well, you know, we got to know each other a little bit on the Stable Scoop radio show when you were over for an interview, and it feels like I've really gotten to know you actually through Twitter. Um, yeah. You, you're very active on Twitter and seem to have figured that out pretty well. And it just, you know, that is one thing about Twitter is you do feel like you get to know people. Yeah, you sure do, and you get to stay in touch. Right. Well, that's what we're hoping that this show, we're hoping, will actually help people get in touch a little bit better with their horses and all aspects of that. And we want to spend a little bit of time with you today, and I know you have a tip for us. What, are you, what have you got for us on this first episode of Horse Tip Daily? Well, it's, it's an issue, Glenn, that comes up a lot when I'm at clinics and expos, and it's, uh, it's about your horse having good manners at feed time. And uh, so often when it's time to feed the horses, you see horses that are pinning their ears and barring their teeth and stomping on the ground. And uh, I, I think there's a lot we can do to address that problem. And the first thing is to recognize it as a problem and not just a meaningless gesture. You know, so, I think we, we've all had horses, Julie, that do that, you know? Well, sure, because what happens is they um, make some sort of gesture, and they're generally aggressive or angry gestures, and then we come by and feed them. And so in the horse's mind, we, we rewarded their behavior. And furthermore, in their mind, they come to believe that it's their aggressive or angry gestures that are causing you to feed them. And that's really where the big problem lies. And we have a tendency to disregard this because the horse is in the pen and we're planning to feed. We don't care whether he makes a gesture or not. So it doesn't matter to us. We know he's on the other side of the fence. We know he can't hurt us. So we ignore it. But it's not important what we think. It's important what the horse thinks. And one way that horses establish dominance in the herd is by taking food away from the other horses. And so if your horse comes to believe that his angry gestures are making you feed him, he also believes he's taking the food away from you. And then guess what? He thinks he's dominant. Mm, So what seems like a harmless uh, gesture is actually eroding your authority with the horse and making him, him believe he's dominant. Well, so what do you do? Well, it's an easy thing to fix. You just need to simply not feed them at the moment that they're displaying bad behavior. That doesn't mean you never feed them. I was going to say, what happens if they're always displaying? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to wait a half an hour uh, for them. It's just at the moment you throw the food in, he needs to not be displaying that gesture. And the easiest thing to do is take a flag or a stick or a whip of some sort and shake it at the horse to make him back up. Once he's backed up a couple of steps, the next thing he's going to do is pick his ears up and look at you and see what's going to happen next. And then he's displaying good behavior, so you throw the food in and walk away. It's not that the dominant horse never lets the other horses eat. He lets them eat when he says they can eat. So it's just kind of uh, keeping the horse's natural behavior in mind, um, even as you do a simple task like feeding. So what you're doing basically is you're telling him, I'm still in charge here, I'm I'm the dominant horse, and I'm going to feed you because I want you to eat now. Basically. Yes, and you're, yeah. what you're saying is it's my food, and you can't have it until I tell you you can have it. Huh. Well, that's very interesting. I, didn't, I, I would have never thought about that. Yeah, so it's a simple thing that uh, could, could mean a lot in, in having the right kind of relationship with your horse, and it's something that if you ignore can be causing problems and causing your horse to, to be dominant when he shouldn't be. 
So not only does the horse have to mind his manners at feeding time, we really have to mind ours. Absolutely, and we have to keep the, the horse's thought process in mind. Well, great. Well, that's a great tip, Julie. You know, where can people learn more about you, or what have you got going right now? Well, there's lots of information about this kind of stuff and, and many other training and behavioral issues on the training library on my website, which is juliegoodnight.com. And also my groundwork videos address uh, behavior and relationship with the horse and authority and all that as well. So those are uh, tools that a person can get to uh, really start progressing with their horse and understanding uh, the mind of the horse a little more thoroughly. And that's all at juliegoodnight.com? You bet. And they can follow you on Twitter at? Um, Julie Twitter, Goodnight, I think. It's, yeah. yeah. yeah Last just, Julie Goodnight. Yep. Great. Well, that's great, Julie. We appreciate you being here. We're going to have you back uh, coming up in, in the coming months. You'll be uh, stopping by periodically with a new tip, and I'm sure everybody will appreciate that. And once again, I can't thank you enough for being part of our first episode. It's my pleasure. We thank Julie for being the first to join us today. Julie will be back with us periodically with a variety of practical and useful training tips. If you like Julie and want to learn more about her, you can find her at juliegoodnight.com. She is also one of the most popular guests we've ever had on the Stable Scoop show. You can listen to that interview at stablescoop.com, episode 40. Don't forget to stop by our website at horsetipdaily.com for our show notes with all the links to all the experts and subscribe through iTunes or Zoom so you don't miss a day. We also have a Facebook page. Just go search for Horse Tip Daily up in the upper right-hand corner. Also, we'd love to get your feedback or ideas on if you know an expert that you think would be great on the show in any area of the horse world, let me know. Just write to me. Go to the website and click on the contact link at the top of the page. And if you have ideas for the tips, uh, you know, the kind of tips that you really want to hear, just do the same. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them all at horseradionetwork.com. We do a variety of shows from eventing to dressage to the World Equestrian Games 2010 show to the flagship show of the Horse Radio Network, the Stable Scoop Show. You can find them all and listen to them all at horseradionetwork.com. Well, I will be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, stay safe, everyone.